Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you're now members of the 114th Congress. Mr. Speaker. Just a few weeks before I was sworn into office, a deranged gunman entered Sandy Hook Elementary uh, School in Connecticut, murdered 20 young children and six school employees. What was the response of, of this Congress to make sure that never happened again? Nothing. Despite an overwhelming amount of support across the country for universal background checks and bipartisan legislation to implement them, this Congress did nothing. Across my district in San Diego, moms, dads, college students, seniors have all been calling on us to take action that will keep our children and our communities safe. They're angry at our inability to act, and I share their anger. We should pass the bipartisan Thompson-King bill on background checks, and we should do it today. That would be a good start to addressing this devastating problem. It's time to do something. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield back. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America and all of our listeners around the world. Tonight, you've touched down on Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And make no mistake about it, we have a champion. And uh, I'll tell you what, Congressman Scott Peters from San Diego, representing San Diego, California, folks, doing some great things. We have a one-on-one exclusive interview with the congressman. And we got that interview live from Washington, D.C. on our last Journey there. Folks, hang on to your seats. Spotlight kicks off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt and the entire AJC radio team. And uh, as we said, folks, Congressman Scott Peters is the focus of the spotlight tonight. And uh, we're excited about that. Uh, Lisa had an opportunity uh, there in, in Washington a few weeks ago uh, to sit down and, uh, and maybe longer than that, uh, but had an opportunity to sit down and speak with him. And uh, what an extraordinary man uh, that speaks his mind and definitely doesn't hesitate to speak w- about the things that are important to the American people. Absolutely, Lamont. He's really, uh, he's really, what's the word I'm looking for? Outspoken. 
Absolutely. In regards to what it is that he's passionate about, he speaks very passionately about how he, about the things that are important to him, and I think he's doing some really, really great things, and it was great to be able to sit down and talk with him. Well, given the events that just happened here in the United States, uh, uh, the Orlando tragedy, uh, on the opening, what you heard was him speaking uh, to the tragedy in California prior to this tragedy, uh, San Bernardino, and uh, he was speaking to the fact the need for gun control different things that have to happen to save some lives. And uh, given, again, the tone of the country, we're going to be addressing his position on some of those issues. And what I found through my research with, with the congressman is that he is very much connected with the things that affect the American people, uh, whether you're talking about protecting veterans, uh, protecting Medicare, uh, honoring Women's History Month, Lisa. Uh, and we got an opportunity where he even took time to honor uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. I'm talking honoring the citizens of the United States and uh, make, make no bones about it. But these are things that speak to the character, uh, Cliff, of who the congressman is. Well, you know, um, the things that we talk to him about, you know, uh, even his stance on <clears throat> Uh, his protection of the of the military personnel, uh, veterans, his protection on uh, even the homeless. I mean, this is this is a congressman of the people. That he goes he goes from every aspect, uh, not just looking out, you know, those that for those that have means, but all the way to those that are homeless, setting up programs so that they can actually have housing and long term housing, to where they can get on their feet. And, uh, you know, be able to uh, get a job, get their own place to stay. He put those type of programs in place. And uh, it was an amazing conversation that we had with Congressman Peters. And I look forward to spotlighting him tonight. Well, absolutely. Dennis, as we talk about, again, we yield to the veteran of the, of, on the panel uh, tonight in regards to his position with veterans. Uh, he is very much, again, San Diego being a huge uh, a military presence there uh, it speaks to the congressman's passion for that and why it's so important for him to deal with those issues because it does things are affecting him definitely back home exactly and i mean i tell you his uh concern about the military is awesome because uh he, he's concerned about their education he's concerned about uh keeping them off, off the street because we do have homeless veterans that's sad to say uh but when you got a congressman that truly cares about people and not only the veterans i tell you that's commendable no, absolutely, and those are things that have to happen. Lisa, a disclaimer for the folks. Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. You want to contact your personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and spending a little bit of your evening with us. And thank you for that, Lisa. Uh, some current news going on right now in the nation's capital with the big headliner today, President Obama and Vice President Biden head down to the Orlando war zone, if you will, of the massacre uh, that took place there on Sunday. Uh, President Obama speaking to the importance of doing something. Uh, and I was watching that before I'd left today, and they were talking about the president seemed tired, uh, that nothing has been done to get on board with doing some type of blocking uh, these t these folks from getting weapons. The sad part about this country and really the world as a whole is that if you block people from legally getting guns, there are so many black market guns on you know that yeah, people can get on the true. black market 
uh, I think it's a condition of the human condition. Yes, yes. Uh, and people are making, I mean, selling weapons and things, that is big business, though illegal, though should not be happening. Uh, but we as a nation have to take steps to do at least everything we can do uh, as far as the legal side of things and protecting the rights of Americans in regards to those weapons. If they happen to get them under the, uh, wherever they get them other than that, then, the, then that's, that's, that is what it is. Right. Uh, but uh, he was speaking to that issue today. Uh, seemed very uh, emotional uh, on this trip because of what has happened. Uh, and these are things, Dennis, that uh, we have to take a look at. Uh, and, and they made a good point. They said the weapons that these killers have are weapons that are used in military war zones. Exactly. They're not used for hunting. These are military weapons. Not meant for the streets. That's meant, that's meant for battle. Exactly. Your thoughts on that, Dennis? Yeah, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about the, you know, everybody pushed the right to bear arms. And, and that's true. I mean, uh, you know, our, our, uh, we, should, we should have the right to bear arms. But I think what it is is that we're so stuck on that amendment, that Second Amendment, that we, we're not seeing that if we don't control, if we don't stop, people who should not bear arms you know they lost that right because of the actions or because of who they are or what what they're about we 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 gotta we gotta have some gun controls in place to make sure that we don't have another sandy hook or uh, or what we're just what we're going through now i mean it's time to say okay no we're not taking away our rights to bear arms we're just making sure we're controlling who's bearing those arms so that they don't go out and, you know, do these mass murders. And the thing is, I mean, there's one thing to have the right to bear arms. But, uh, I mean, you look at this guy. The guns he got, he got them legally. How are you on the FBI's watch list? Well, you're come on, on the, come on. You're on the no-fly exactly. list, but you can go out and buy a gun. That, that, well, that part of what they, what they signed uh, this week... I, it's like, okay, how is it that this was not already in law? That if you can't fly, you're under investigation by the FBI for, for terrorism, then at least they should put a halt on you being able to, uh, to, to get a weapon. Well, I'll tell you what, that is not law yet. This is something that is being discussed, uh, that if you can't fly, you can't buy. Uh, but it's not in law. It's, this is something that is in negotiation, that is in talks. Uh, right now, things are being looked at, and... Uh, I guess from what I heard the gentleman say, uh, and I use that term loosely, uh, is that he was tired of the United States bombing uh, his country, uh, though he was, again, he was, he was not an immigrant, so to speak. He was a citizen here in the United States, uh, and they had closed the investigation on him. But, Cliff, this takes me back to one clear point. And nobody wants to step to the plate and take responsibility, whether it's the CIA, the FBI, or whoever. This goes back to the point we made the other night as far as not wanting to share information. Uh, all local law enforcement where he was residing should have been notified of the investigation going on with this man. The fact that he was, he was a red flag to the FBI or the CIA, then you have information where the local law enforcement can put tactical forces in place to monitor, not harass him because exactly. he hadn't done anything right. yet, but then you know he's gone into a store requesting uh, third-level body armor that's used in combat. Then you know where he stepped into a place when he's casing an establishment out. Why? You have people in the wings 
because a flag, uh, Cliff, has been put out there. Am I right on that point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, what happened here and and even the members of the family, you know, that were uh, on, on the cable news this week were saying, you know, why didn't the FBI, why didn't federal law enforcement share with the local police exactly who right. this guy was, the information they had found out about him? Sure, they said, okay, well, we did an investigation and uh, we don't see anything right now, like you said, but if local law enforcement had already known, say, okay, you guys did an investigation on this guy, then we can do a, a closer look to what's going on locally with him. When we, when exactly. we see him, you know, he's casing, uh, Pulse. you know, Pulse, he's casing uh, Disney World. Then local law enforcement could have said, you know what, maybe we need to take another look. At least we know you guys have looked at him and we need to maybe look a little deeper. But like we, are, we were saying on Tuesday when we discussed this, and uh, and and Hillary Clinton as well said that she wants to, you know, her policy is to ensure that law enforcement has all the tools that they need to be able to fight terrorism. Well, you know where I'm going is that you, right. you need that uh, that silk software well, from IRP Solutions. That this is an integral part of of one of the of the entire system of the silk software to say we can securely share information in local state and federal law enforcement to say we can share this data we can share it securely then there is no excuse by fbi nsa cia local law enforcement to say we need to understand who these people are that we're dealing with and if at the end of the day it comes down to you know well there's no need for an investigation then you securely lock that data away because you don't you don't want to be you know basically taking away people's liberties but when you have a guy like this that kills 49 people and injures 50 something more if this information had been shared through a system like the Silk Software, who knows that this enti- this entire attack could have been could have been uh, you know alleviated? And it says here, I saw this in the news today that the Florida gun store, uh, the body uh, where he wanted to buy the body armor, said they notified authorities because it seemed suspicious of what he was doing. Now, the FBI and everybody else is saying, oh, we have no record that something was reported. This gives an indication, okay, who dropped the ball here? Exactly. And the owner of the store said he made a statement, but they didn't have a name of a person. But to say, look, somebody came in here looking for Bonnie Armour. Something, again, ladies and gentlemen, you can say what you want. We're going to say it very clear on this program. The IRP6 men, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker, developed software to aid the nation from a terror attack. Now, the CIA says today that ISIS is a huge threat to the West. We, they are a threat to the West. The, who are the West? That, that involves us. us. And I'll tell you what, folks, we've been, you know, the last tragedy that happened in, in San Bernardino, uh, they stated, what did they say? They said, oh, no, we don't think there's a credible threat. Wake up call. Wake up call, man. This guy is pledging his allegiance and I don't care how you put it, whether it's directly from ISIS or someone who is, who is acting on behalf of ISIS, it is ISIS. And we've been saying over and over on this program, the threat to the homeland is clear. The threat to the United States is clear. 49 people are dead, body bags filled. The threat is clear. And it's, time that, it's high time that we wake up to that fact. And uh, we're going to play say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org. 
if you want some of the, all of this stuff to stop, I can guarantee you uh, that this young man who died Sunday in that massacre, who started this tragedy, he's one of many all across the United States that may be sitting in a room right now, sitting in a computer, casing a place out, plotting for another attack in the, to, uh, to the United States. We need to wake up. The way we do that, we get these six men out of prison and get them involved and implement this software across this nation that we can help map and trap and track these terrorists that are a threat not, not only to the homeland but to the world. It affects the entire world. And uh, for what they're saying today is that ISIS has gained momentum as a result of this. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what, when you think you got them crippled, you don't. You don't. That's the world we live in, folks. Go out to change.org uh, and sign the petition. Just search IRP6. Sign the petition as we, rec- we ask the president to grant clemency to these men. Get them home to keep the homeland safe. It's a matter of national security. That's very, very important. Uh, we'll be definitely following mo- much more up uh, on this tonight uh, of the RP6, uh, which you didn't know about the RP6 segment. We'll be discussing some of this as well. Uh, also in the news, uh, the little toddler young boy uh, snatched by an alligator in Florida. Uh, his body has been recovered. Uh, the tragedy of that, the horrific grief uh, that that mother and that father must be going through and that family Uh, Our prayers and condolences go out to that family uh, as they lost that little toddler, two years old. And and fortunately, as we were talking today, uh, he was in one piece. Yes. And critically important for the mental psyche, uh, if you will, for the mother to deal deal with that. That would be very difficult for a mother to deal with, knowing that her child, her baby, got ripped to shreds and... He was just gone. I mean, that that I mean, it's hard enough to lose your child, but having him just torn up that would just, that just makes it a lot worse. No, and we're grateful for that. That the mother uh, again, it's still a loss. It's a horrific loss, uh, but that the mother's able to deal with that. And, and again, our support and prayers go out to that family, all from us, all of us here uh, at AJC uh, uh, Radio, and we appreciate uh, uh, what they're trying to do to fix these problems. In Orlando, I mean, Florida has been through some things in the last week. Uh, that's been horrifying. Uh, and you wonder how much a community can take. Dennis, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it has been very difficult. And uh, it's it's just that, you know, when you got that much going on and you got a lot of tragedy going on like that, it's it's, it's good to hear, you know, when, when you hear people say, you know, our prayers are with you and that, you know, people are truly concerned uh, about, you know, the loss of lives in, in, in this United States of America. I tell you, People are coming together and saying, hey, we need to really come together and, and do what we need to do so we can uh, prevent these tragedies. But I tell you, it, it's, it's, it's bringing America together. It's sad that we, we have to come together under these circumstances, but uh, we're coming together and we're, we're, we're going to work through these things. No, absolutely. And, uh, that's definitely to be appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if you want to call in tonight, we're getting ready to honor uh uh, definitely leader on the Hill, Congressman Scott Peters, uh, doing some, some really big things up there on Capitol Hill. We're going to hear from him. We have an exclusive interview uh, we're going to bring to you tonight here on the other side of this break. Uh, Congressman Scott Peters serves California's 52nd congressional district, uh, which includes the cities of Coronado, uh, Poway, and most of northern San Diego. First elected in 2012, he currently serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. He formerly served on the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. 
they say Mr. Peters, Congressman Peters is a civic leader who has made improving the quality of life in San Diego his life's work. We're going to dig into all of that. That's just a teaser, if you will. But coming back on the other side of this break, Congressman Scott Peters, the recipient of the spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We'll be right back. Right now, we're coming live from Colorado Spring, 91 degrees, partly sunny. Washington, D.C., 83 clouds, and add some humidity with that. It's going to be a little miserable. New York City, 72 and cloudy. And in Los Angeles, California, 75 degrees and sunny. Folks, grab some lemonade, some strawberries, some fruit, whatever fits your fancy on this summer night, summer evening, as AJC Radio continues with Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We'll be right back. The one and the only PBR. In 1992, when 20 riders from the rodeo circuit came together to give life to a dream they all shared, they never could have imagined that it would so quickly develop into one of the most declared and fastest-growing sports in America. PBR brings the toughest sport on dirt to major venues nationwide. Today, more than 600 bull riders from the United States, Australia, Brazil, Canada, and Mexico hold PBR memberships. PBR has rapidly transformed one of the fastest growing sports in America into a worldwide phenomenon. PBR is located in Pueblo, Colorado on the beautiful Riverwalk, and they are hiring right now. PBR is looking for a graphic designer, a financial planning analyst, an event marketing director, and a social media manager. Folks, these are opportunities you do not want to miss. Visit their website today at www.pbr.com. You have the option to call at 719-242-2800. And if you can't do that, folks, send an email at recruiting at PBR. They would love to hear from you. And remember, there's only one PBR. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because... He's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this serves as a personal invitation to you. Let's Talk kicks off July 12th at 7 p.m. at 451 Winchime Place. The new acclaimed series on A&E, 60 Days In, will be the topic. Featuring Sheriff Jamie Knoll talking about the impact this new series is having, not only around the nation, but in his personal life. Join us Tuesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. For further information, call 855-529-4252, extension 710. We'll see you then. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? 
Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. In, ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and uh, we are excited tonight to shine the light on Congressman Scott Peters. But prior to that, uh, we do have a caller uh, that we're going to bring on uh, that has a comment. Yes, we have the truth on. Uh, you want to make a comment about the uh, previous uh, segment? You're live. Go ahead with your comment. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I got a, I got a question. Uh, I heard I heard you say that the man where he tried to buy the armor from, uh, mm-hmm. and they don't carry that. When he called the authorities, the FBI, we, do you hear anything in the news saying what they did with that information? Did they go out? Uh, you would think somebody would have went to the store, got a got a description of the man, and then go out and try to find him and and could have at least pulled up that up a picture of this man that they had on the watch list for uh I think in thirteen and fourteen. Wouldn't it stand the reason that you would automatically pull that man up and go back to the store and ask them, is this the guy that was here? Oh, yeah. make- and it, it does make sense. Huh? And it does say in the it does say in this in the story that the FBI did not follow up with it. They talked to them, and they never came to the store, and they never followed through on it. Well, what they're saying is today the latest report was that the FBI had knowledge of the phone call, that they don't have a record that the owner of the store actually called, uh, and that's what the, that was the latest I heard today. Uh, they I said think they, you're going to hear that now since there was a shoot, shootout. No, Absolutely. But it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, okay, what did y'all do with the information? If they, if you got a call to the FBI, you got a call. So why didn't you right. go out and pursue, I mean, go to the man's store and say, okay, what does this man look like? And it would have been common sense to say, since you targeted this man in thirteen, fourteen, take a picture and say, is this the guy? And then somebody, right. and he would say, yes, that's him. They could have stopped it. 
That's oh, right. absolutely. And there's probably video footage uh, of the store oh, these exactly. days yeah. uh, where they could have gone in and saw the actual man. It sounds like what happened. Yeah, cause they could have saw that man on camera right at the store. Absolutely. And it sounds like they so, dropped. So while they're trying to charge this man's poor wife, who's to blame here? They're saying right. that, saying that, um, that the, his wife know something about it, but you actually got the call to your office. What did you do about it? So it looks like okay. we're gonna put the blame on the on the little wife here? Who yeah, already lived gonna... in terror with him because he was violent from what she said. So why didn't the FBI go out to that store? That man know he called them. And and they could have yeah. went there and said, So what did this guy look like? He could have quickly pulled him up on camera and and they were no, this is our man. That's right. They had right. time to stop that. Yeah, they I was did. just thinking about that. I thought, well, you're trying to charge her. Who's really responsible for this happening? Is the law enforcement that was contacted, and you never went out, not one time oh, to the that. store to talk to the men or nothing. Nobody's saying that on the news. I kept wondering, well, what did they do? Nothing. Yes, they didn't do it. Yeah, they should be charged, not not the yeah, not if polite. you charge somebody, charge the law enforcement people that got the call who didn't go and check it out. They possibly could have stopped that, stopped this shoot up. So I just, oh, want, absolutely. To, I just want to put that out there because I've been listening to the news today. And I didn't hear anybody talk about what did the law enforcement do after they got the call. Well, it's easy oh, for no. me to say I didn't get a call once it's already done. Exactly. Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to be the fall guy. Okay, I just want to pass it on to y'all. Thanks. Oh, thank you. And uh, stands to reason, it's kind of like the checks in the mail. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh, we mailed the check. I never got it. Exactly. And uh, it's easier for the FBI. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the FBI, the I mean, the owner of the of the store. I mean, he 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 talked to the FBI. And they never follow up, never came to the store to see what was going on. It's like they just treated casual that, oh, well, yeah, you know, somebody tried to buy body armor. Oh, it's another guy wanting to buy some weapons. Well, if you don't follow up and then you have a, a massive, uh, you know, murder like this, then just like the truth says, who is really to blame here? Exactly. And what, what gets me is that we, we always look for a fall guy. Yeah. And instead of looking at, like the truth said, the FBI had the information. Yeah. You failed to act on it. So now instead of you instead of it being your fault, we gotta find some way somehow to connect the, the wife to this incident. Well, look, I mean, it, come on. No, it's one of those things that uh, they're not gonna say they're not going to take responsibility. They're not going to look like we dropped the ball, we failed to act because the FBI is perfect. Well, I got news for you, they're not. So at the end of the day, uh, as the caller uh, made, made very clearly, why was not a call made? Again, Cliff goes back to what we said earlier, information sharing. Yeah. And local law enforcement should have been contacted. Uh, when the FBI got the call, they should have immediately got on the phone with the local law enforcement and said, look, this is what's happening. You may want to go down to this store and check it out. Every store, from, my, from what I know in this time of, in, the, in our country, has video surveillance somewhere. Exactly. Uh, he would have easily been seen and would have been matched, Cliff, with the FBI list that this man, or at least a pending, inve- something here, 
And so the caller uh, point is well taken here. Uh, but we'll be talking more about this, I'm sure, in the days, months, years to come uh, as this uh, investigation continues to unfold. And there's going to be a lot of people answerable uh, to why this, uh, this ball was dropped. And that's what at least the perception is of what it appears to have happened here uh, on many, many levels. So, again, folks, uh, feel free. Uh, to call in tonight to this program, uh, we appreciate the call and taking the time. 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976. And uh, now we get on to Spotlight on Capitol Hill, which is the reason uh, that we are excited tonight as we have had the opportunity, Lisa Cliff, uh, to interview Congressman Peters in Washington, D.C., uh, in, his, uh, in his beautiful office and doing some good things and uh, – I told him, I said, Congressman, well, man, I'm so sorry you had to grow up or you, you're, you're from a district with so much bad weather. Uh, so all he's <laughs> got to do is jump on a plane and get the San Diego weather. And, Cliff, you're from the California area. San Diego, one of the best places weather-wise on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the capital, right? Absolutely. I mean, San Diego is perfect weather all the time. Average of 78 degrees. Year-round. Year-round. Wow. Well, you're going to have an opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in. Uh, pull up a chair. Uh, a lazy boy, they're good to sit in and uh, lean back or just have a nice, quiet evening on the patio as the summer settles in across America. And we're going to have a patriotic moment tonight as we bring to you the interview of Congressman Scott Peters. And I'll tell you what, well worth it. Folks, hang on. We bring that interview to you right now. We're excited to be here, Congressman. He's taking time with us today and someone doing some things here in Washington. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and let him share his passions and his position and where we see America going from here. Congressman, we appreciate you being here. Thank you, Mark. And uh, we're, we're excited. So talk to us, Congressman. We are, uh, of course, dealing with a lot of things in our judicial system, mm-hmm. uh, criminal justice reform. Give us some thoughts of, of your perception and what needs to happen to kind of shift uh, things as far as the criminal justice system right now. You know, you've heard a lot about how uh, there's a lot of discord and partisanship in Washington, D.C. We have a real opportunity to deal with uh, a lot of issues in criminal justice and sentencing reform because there's a lot of agreement from both the right and the left. And I think folks on the right uh, who come out of a Christian tradition feel like we're throwing away these people and, and this is not what we should be doing with folks. And folks on the left think that, you know, we're spending more money on incarcerating people and sending them to college and we're not giving them a chance. So uh, I think one of the things we might do this year is just deal with some of these sentencing issues and, and uh, take a more rational approach to who we put in jail and who's really dangerous and who, uh, who we can help with. No, absolutely. And Congressman, we've, we've done some research on the criminal justice system, sentencing, all these things. We do. We are aware that the president has taken steps uh, being the first president that I can remember, and I'm 47 years old, that I can remember that ever stepped into solitary confinement, stepped into prisons across yes. this country. Uh, this is something that raises, and I want to get your thoughts on this, that uh, they do focus a lot with the drug concerns as far as people being in prison for drugs. But we have found through our study a lack of addressing the white-collar crimes, some of the crimes that, in our opinion, have been over-criminalized, criminalized, yeah. So you have a lot of uh, inmates, if you will, in camps uh, that you might as well put them at home and put an ankle monitor on. I mean, how much money do we save? We're locking, like you said, these are not dangerous 
dangerous people. Some of them there really shouldn't be there. Yeah. Is that something that may be on the agenda down the road, that we address the white-collar crimes as well that's happening there? I hope so. We have many, we have so many people in jail in our country compared to other places. Yes. And, um, you know, just we, we ought to take a step back. You know, I'm, I'm from California where, I don't know how long ago, but we had the three strikes initiative. Right. Uh, and uh, people were angry. People felt unsafe, and you understand that the reaction was to, well, let's throw these people in jail. But, of course, California backed off on that this year because we found literally people who uh, were just trying to get food for their family. I mean, there's literally the, the, the sure. famous uh, person who was incarcerated for stealing a pizza. I'm not sure how that's a felony. <laughs> but uh, right. that's just ridiculous. Right. It's not a waste of resources, and um, you know, clearly we would love to... We would love to stop crime, and I think we want to. We're committed to doing that, but uh, incarcerating folks isn't always the best way to handle that. Yeah, and we have found that uh, at least, and we're excited about the, like you said earlier, Congressman, the bipartisan uh, push uh, to make things happen. I believe it was Congressman Sensenbrenner Brenner even addressing. I believe Congressman Conyers was working on an issue addressing uh, the intent push of proceedings in the criminal justice system where uh, a lot of times before you even charge someone, let's deal with the intent oh, yeah. at that point. And that's something that was really something that really caught our attention. Uh, I believe, and I get your thoughts on this, is that, uh, again, we have the largest incarceration rate in the world. Uh, we have kids from, and, and this is what I want to talk to this, we're here for the foster care issue, kids from the school to prison pipeline. Yeah. Kids been put in juvenile detention centers for stuff when I was young. You know, I go to detention or I, and I'm, yeah. or I get a, my mom gets a call and she takes care of it with, with the belt when I get home. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Your thoughts on that of how, how do we get there even with our children? Well, you think of the bigger issue too is what this over, over incarceration does to families in general because, you know, you have a father get taken away from his kids for doing something very minor. You're doing much more damage. Sure. Uh, to a family and to the kids that are growing up, you may be causing more problems than you're, than you're solving. So that we just have to bring some rationality to it. I think that that uh, enlightenment is coming after you know a couple decades of experimenting with being really hard on crime uh, and maybe not so smart on crime. Sure. No, I, I agree with that as well, Congressman. I'll tell you this: we are faced, I believe, with the dilemma. I'd like to hear a little bit of. Of the American people to hear a little bit about the man, Congressman Peters. Mm -hmm. uh, what drives you? What brought you to Washington? What made you feel like public service was something that you wanted to definitely yeah. dive into? Well, um, I, uh, you can see on my, my, uh, my wall back there is my father and Martin Luther King Sr. So my father's a minister and uh, taught us about service when I was young. He was active in decriminalizing housing in the Detroit suburbs. Mm -hmm. Uh, taught, told by the police uh, one day that uh, maybe it would be safer for the family if we took a trip out of town. Uh, it was right around the time of the riots. And, sure. And it was very, very difficult. Um, brought me to Washington with my sisters, and I got a book of, of the presidents and um, memorized every president. It's still my parlor game. If you say 15, I can say James Buchanan. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so you know, third graders love that, but then they say 58. I say, no, it only gives it to 44. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, I've always had uh, service in my mind and something in my family. Uh, and uh, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do this job. I practiced law for 15 years. Um, and 
turned to my wife one day and I said, you know, I don't really like what's happening in the city. Um, I think I might run for city council. And she, after I peeled her up off the floor, uh, we thought a little about the pay cut. Um, she was supportive. Uh, and I've had now a second career in public service in the city council, city council president of San Diego, port commissioner, and then I do this job. And, uh, it's uh, tremendously satisfying when you get things done. Sure. Frustrating when you don't get things done. Right. But, um, you know, it's a little bit easier when I was city council president and set the agenda and sure. you know, put stuff up for votes. Uh, we have to be more patient with this, but it's really important work. It's important we get this right, and that's where I come from. Okay. And Congressman, your thoughts as we face a election, uh, one of the most bizarre, <laughs> I don't even know if that's the proper adjective that I would use with that, but one of the most interesting uh, elections uh, seasons, if you will, primary season that we've had. We, we're pivoting now towards the general election. Your thoughts to our listeners of how important is it that they get out, that they vote, that this election has huge ramifications, yeah. if not done right? Well, I'm very sad already about the tone of it, uh, this election. It's, uh, it's beneath America, I think, uh, to see uh, the, the hate and the fear that's driving some of this stuff. Um, and you know, I've uh, been for Secretary Clinton a long time personally, um, and I respect our difference of opinion. I think there are a lot of Republicans that uh, I just disagree with, but the way we're talking about um, isolating America, putting up a wall, um, getting out of NATO, I just think that is, um, I hope people understand that that's crazy talk. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, I also think we're talking about a lot of things that aren't really important to putting people's dinner on the table. Sure. Uh, and whether it was uh, uh, President Clinton's love life or you know things like that, I just think sure. um, I'm a little disappointed in journalism for not keeping our eye on the ball, but I guess uh, that's what sells papers and drives ratings. Sure. So what's important for people to do is to be that filter and, and really you know sit around and with your friends and colleagues and, and um, your family, talk about what's important to you and what, who you think is really going to make the difference to move the country ahead and give people a shot. Yeah. No, I, think it's pretty, I think it's a pretty clear choice myself, but sure. um, but that should be the measuring stick, not who can uh, yell the loudest or mm -hmm. be the meanest. Not, that's just not America. No, I agree with you on that, uh, Congressman. And I'll tell you this, uh, what are, or I ask you this rather, what are the main passions that you have going forward in this Congress that you feel must be at the forefront of legislation in this country right now? Yours personally. That, so personally, that, the thing I, things I work on are um, I'm concerned about America's uh, leadership in science. Uh, we um, have built up uh, the ability to cure diseases and solve problems by educating people, by giving everyone a shot, and by funding basic scientific research. Um, you know, I'm I'm not seeing the commitment to that that we've seen over time. Sure. At the same time, um, uh, I'm a product of financial aid. Okay. When I was in school, I mean, my my father told me, uh, work hard, get into the best school you can get into, and we'll figure out a way to pay for it. And that was a middle class story. Basically, anyone can do that. So I got to go to Duke University, which was an expensive school for my family. But I came out with, I had got grants, low interest loans. I came out with not too much debt. Now the average debt, I think, is 33000 $35,000. Uh, for a kid, and uh, that make, that's making it harder for families to attain. So uh, I want to work on that. And then I'm, we're really working, focused on veterans in San Diego. We have a large Good. veterans population. Right. I think 235,000 veterans in the county, maybe the third largest uh, in the country.
country largest homeless veterans population. So we've been working to keep to, to really make sure that veterans um, have the best chance possible. First, we want them to get a job. Uh, we started a, we helped start a um, in, in the district a organization called Zero Eight Hundred. Zero Eight Hundred is the hour you start your day in the military. Yeah. Uh, but to give veterans a shot at connecting them with employers who are looking for the skills they might want. Labor pool that veterans can provide. Sure. Nonprofit uh, doesn't cost a dime of federal money. <clears throat> Didn't take an act of Congress, which is not easy to get. Uh, we sort of led from from the ground. But we want to make sure that vets get health care. So we've addressed a lot with the, with the Veterans Administration, the VA. They don't have the kind of problems in San Diego that other spots have had. And I'm not about demonizing people. But we want to make sure we have a bureaucracy that's, or the VA that's focused from the Secretary of the Veterans Administration on down the person is picking up the trash on the veteran, not on the bureaucracy. And we want to give them the resources they need to, to, to address these problems. And then we want to keep vets off the streets. So um, homelessness is a big thing for us. Uh, a lot of cities have made progress in ending veterans homelessness. That's a big project for us in San Diego. And we're trying to provide the federal resources that are appropriate for, for that problem. Okay. I know uh, looking at one of your bills that you guys did in uh, 2015, uh, I grew up in LA, so I saw a lot of veterans that ended up on the street. And I saw, you know, I'm not a veteran. My father was. I have three brothers and a couple sisters who are in the armed services. And I would hate to see something like that involve them. But uh, looking at one of your bills that uh, basically helps nonprofits to be able to, uh, you know, go out help these people get permanent housing, like nonprofits that will yeah, go with the housing bill, right? Uh, right, that will help them get an apartment or some permanent housing yeah. um, to help help homeless people get on the streets. Uh, speak to us a little bit about well, that. Well, so one of the things in San Diego we have, um, we found that we have so many nonprofits and so many volunteers who want to help vets, and frankly also active duty families. We didn't need to create more bureaucracy. We didn't need to replace that, but we needed to harness it. So we've done a couple things. This one, we have found a way to match veterans with all these services that we have just because of the nature of our city. But also we're letting um, nonprofits do some of the administration that, that's traditionally uh, only been done by the government because it provides more resources and it's also close to the ground. Uh, and that really works well in our town. I think uh, it's a good model for the rest of the country. All right, Congressman, when, when we, we talk about this, again, we're not uh, unaware of the huge scandal, if you will, dealing with VA uh, hospitals, uh-huh. veterans dying on tables, not given care, all of that kind of nonsense. We've addressed on our show, we, uh, we did a show entitled uh, Our Veterans Being Left Behind. Yeah. I think we, commend, we definitely commend you for the efforts that you make. How do we get what you're doing to become contagious? in other states across this country to really look out because when you stop and think about the price that's involved i was watching a movie and, and look this was the realest thing i've ever seen in regards to battle or warfare mm-hmm. was it sniper is that yeah. the movie i've american sniper i was totally blown away this is based on true events so i'm looking at the soldiers in this i had no idea what war on combat really wasn't like, oh my God, man, God's getting shot here. People are dodging and ducking. Yeah. How do we even get to the point as a country where we have any homeless veteran mm-hmm. anywhere in this country? To me, makes no sense. And then you have, how do we, and, and I'm, I got on my soapbox there for a minute as I went back to American Cyber, <laughs> but 
How do we get bring in, again, your passion, your push for veterans, the protection of veterans, to do what you're doing? Yeah. How do we get that to become everywhere in this country? You, gotta, you have to start with understanding it. And I think what you say is a really important point. You know, people call it, I don't call it uh, PTSD anymore. I leave off the disorder. I think it's PTS, mm-hmm. uh, post-traumatic stress, because it's actually not a disorder. It's not a, it's not a, sure. a natural reaction to what you saw in a movie. Right. They've gone through that and come back with all sorts of problems. And I think uh, that's not every veteran, but a lot of veterans have to deal with that. And that makes it tough. Sure. It's tough to do everyday stuff and cope. Um, on the VA side, you know, um, kids are coming back. And I say kids because they're my sure. kids' age. With kinds of injuries that you would never survive in another war. Because the battlefield medicine is so good. I mean, these kids were to die. But that also means that it takes more resources and more uh, more expertise to, to deal with them. So one of the challenges, I think we have to acknowledge that the VAs are dealing with a bigger load and a tougher load. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to provide the resources for them. I think what we ask in return is that that they be straight with us and they not play games with the, the uh, appointment system and that... Um, uh, you know, that they, again, the culture has to be focused on the veteran, not on the bureaucracy. Sure. So we had a lot of work to do on that. But in, in San Diego, we found we had a little problem like that. It wasn't nearly as bad as we saw in Phoenix. Uh, some of it was misunderstanding. They took the appropriate personnel action. They, they fixed it. Uh, we And I just say for all the people that you hear have complaints, there are thousands of people that the VA is serving. Sure. And I love it. And you tell, talk to any vet in San Diego, most of them will say, you know, I love to carry and get to VA. Another idea I think we could we could think about with that is, you know, we have a spine center, one of the spine centers in San Diego, which is, you know, deals with battlefield injuries to spines. Mm-hmm. And if you have a spinal injury in war, that's the place you want to be. You break your ankle on the street, you happen to be a veteran, it has nothing to do with right. being a veteran. Right. You ought to be able to go anywhere. Sure. So we're trying to find a little bit of flexibility. Uh, for non non uh, combat or non service oh, related stuff, that would make sure that the wait wait times are a little bit less. Okay, okay. And 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 as we uh, Congressman get ready again to approach another, we, we, you talked earlier about the bipartisan effect. We got elections coming, seats coming up. Whoever occupies the White House, uh, and, and uh, how difficult is it? Going forward, do you see the Congress working together? The reputation everybody says can't get nothing done. People are not going to yeah. work. And what, what do we do to fix that? Do you, are you optimistic that maybe we're able to probably work together? Well, I would not board a plane in San Diego, California to come out here if we, I wasn't optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a nice place to sure. Yeah, absolutely. So not getting done. Um, yeah. Look, I. Um, people. People are rightly frustrated with the D.C. that's not getting any money. The frustration I have is that even when we agree, sometimes we can't get a vote. Uh, to me, the ethic ought to be, let's let our disagreements work through the committee system. Let's figure out the answer. We won't get 100% of what we want, but let's move things ahead. We have agreements we can make on immigration, on taxes, on criminal justice reform. There's a lot of things we can working on. So, uh, but part of that is that, that you know, American people have been a reward for the people. Absolutely. And if you see folks who, um, as cordial as they might be, will never compromise, you know, think about what you want to serve somebody else. Um, I try to be the person who, you know, we have a, this morning, I started out my morning with a, a meeting of a bipartisan working group, which is 
13 Republicans and 13 Democrats. We meet every week. We're not going to change the world with it, but we can find things that we can agree on that are not the most prominent issues, but if we can solve them, we need a lot of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it starts. Uh, I think to, to find more of that would be really useful. Um, and, and also, um, for people out there, if you if you if you got someone who's compromised, that means they gave something up. You can always be criticized for what you gave up, but remember what they accomplished too. Because the, the point know, the the point of campaigns is often to make you angry at the other guy. But you know if they're actually trying to work work stuff, get stuff done. They're going to give up things. They're not going to get 100 percent of what they want. It's easier to say no. Courage is to come to the middle of the room, shaking hands with someone you disagree with. Mm-hmm. And, and sure. That's where the courage is today. Oh, let's go. Go ahead. I had a question. The work that you guys do up here is it's not easy. It's it's that we we with all the trips we've made and all the interviews we've done, we realize that you guys do a lot of hard work. Do you feel like it's something that you would that it's worth it enough that it's something you would encourage your children to follow in your footsteps and do the same thing and, and fight for the same things that you've done? Do you think it's something that is worth it? I do actually. I'm trying to encourage my. My, both each of my kids, I have a daughter and a son who are both out of college. Uh, I would like one of them to go into public service. I think they'd find it rewarding. Uh, it's you know it's a it's a hard game, you know. Uh, I'm in one of those tough races, so uh, you know we're we're dealing with uh, people coming after me all the time. Um, it's not always comfortable to do what we do, but it's important work. And I think uh, if you can separate out what people say about you from what the truth is, you know about yourself. You can survive here. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, Congressman, we're going to be respectful, of course, of your time uh, today. Um, in closing, uh, election 2016, where are we a year from now in this country uh, on whether it's Supreme Court justices, whether it's uh, where are we sitting here a year from now? Are we feeling great? Or are we like, man, how do we get away from here? Well, let's be optimistic. <laughs> Let's say that uh, we have a new president people are excited about, and um, Congress has gotten the message that it's riskier to do nothing than it is to do something, sure. and that maybe we'll sit down and work on some of the big problems we have around us. That's, that's certainly what I hope for. <laughs> if, we're, if we're bummed out next year, I don't know what I'm saying. That'll be, that'll be too bad. We'll have to do a follow-up uh, spotlight of, of the enthusiasm, and we're hoping, we're optimistic as well, that we're hoping we really respect what, what you're doing up here uh, and uh, we'd like to, if, if you wouldn't mind, we're going to actually uh, forward a campaign through AJC Radio uh, to push what you're doing for veterans on our website, get to our listeners, and, and, it, and honestly encourage other members to, to get involved. The VA, uh, or the VA or the, the veterans situation in this country yeah. is a big, big issue. Uh, and I think uh, we had done an interview with Senator Durbin uh, and his... Uh, it was a bill of some sort that he passed for a lady who a wounded soldier came home. I don't remember uh-huh. the specifics. Yeah. And he passed a bill that gave her training and aid on how to take care of right. this wounded soldier. Yeah. Right. Blew us out the boat, man. So yeah. I, I, there are things happening here. The other thing I would just say, too, Colorado Springs is a lot like um, San Diego. You've got a lot of military yeah. facilities there. You've got a lot of vets. Yeah. Don't just rely on the federal government to, to do what's do what's needed because there's a lot that can happen at the local level like 0800 this program I talked mm-hmm. about which I've already recommended to Doug Lamborn who represents uh, uh, your area um, there's a lot of things people could do on the ground so don't get all worried that Washington's not working because leadership can come from home absolutely 
Absolutely, that's that's a good point. And you know, they say it takes a is it a village yes. uh, to raise a child. And so, it's a village, a city, a state, and a federal. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a village. And, and again, I, I believe it. But it starts, like you said, it starts right there, getting people excited. And I believe it, it, it becomes contagious. People start, things start catching on. And in closing, Congressman, we are going to leave some information with you. Uh, we have a great deal of respect for members of the judiciary. Uh, some huge things happening in our system, uh, criminal justice system uh, of injustice. We're going to leave some information with you. I don't know if you've heard of the story regarding the IRP-6. They are six, and many of them are veterans, uh, that protected this country, actually developed some software. I won't get into the details. IRP. IRP Solutions is the name of the corporation. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. You was asking for that. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Uh, But good stuff. I'm going to leave some information, Congressman. I just want you to review it. Uh, uh, Congress, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Judge H. Lee Serikin, former federal judge, known for the Hurricane Carter case, Uh uh, did a playwright. on my head now. (laughs) (laughs) He did a playwright for this particular uh, injustice that happened. I'm curious, as being a member of the judiciary, what your thoughts are going to be about it. We'd love to follow up with you on it, but I want to leave that information with you. We're going to be back out here in August, and if we have an opportunity at the schedule permits, uh, maybe we can sit down and talk about it. I don't think many of us are going to be here in August. Oh, is August break time? Summer break. We won't see you. We we won't see you in August. But uh, maybe we can follow conference call, anything like that. Maybe we can talk. But I, I, I'm talking to you. I can feel from you. uh, And we talked to a lot of folks up here on the hill. Sincerity, passion about what you're doing. That 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 speaks volumes to us as an advocacy group. What we do. I am very curious on the judicial side of things of, of your thoughts. And you don't find a lot of people with that that push and that passion. We appreciate you so much for what you're doing here. Thank you so much for the afternoon chat. Absolutely. And uh, good luck. Yes. (laughs) Spread the word. Thank you. you. Pleasure meeting you. Good luck. Thank you. Congressman Scott Peters from San Diego, California. 2001, the governor appointed Scott, Congressman Peters, to the Commission on Tax Policy in the new economy, and in 2002, the Speaker of the Assembly appointed Congressman Peters to the California Coastal Commission. Congressman Peters also later served as chairman of the San Diego Unified Port District, a major economic engine that supports over 40,000 high-skill, high-wage jobs for San Diegans with $3.3 billion in direct regional economic impact. Congressman Peters earned his undergraduate degree from Duke University, and uh, worked, on, worked basically as an economist for the United States Environmental Protection Agency before attending New York, New York University School of Law. He and his wife of 29 years reside in La Jolla neighborhood of San Diego, California, where they raised their son and their daughter. A champion, a one, a person rather, making a difference in a very big way. We salute you, Congressman Peters, for the footprints that you leave for those that will come after. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We continue the Spotlight on Congressman Scott Peters in a moment.
But ladies and gentlemen, this serves as a personal invitation to you. Let's Talk kicks off July 12th at 7 p.m. at 451 Winshine Place. The new acclaimed series on A&E, 60 Days In, will be the topic. Featuring Sheriff Jamie Knoll talking about the impact this new series is having, not only around the nation, but in his personal life. Join us Tuesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. For further information, call 855-529-4252, extension 710. We'll see you then. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters, our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer.
And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. A nice summer evening here across the nation. And you have found your way to a very nice place. That is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt and the entire AJC Radio team as we press forward to shine the light in a huge way on Congressman Scott Peters. And Lisa, Cliff, Dennis sitting there listening to the congressman. I'll tell you what, it was Flag Day yesterday here in America. And I'll tell you what, this makes you want to pull the flag out. Our flag is hanging on the wall. Dennis, as you have heard the interview with the congressman, how patriotic do you feel right now? Oh, I feel real good because uh, he's all about the uh, vet. Uh, he's all about taking care of them, making sure that uh, health care, education, uh, getting them off the street. I mean, uh, building, uh, working with nonprofits wow. to uh uh, put living, you know, spaces in place so that they got a place to live. Uh, I tell you, he's doing some good things for our veterans. And uh, like you, like you were talking in the interview, uh, it's a model for other states to uh, use uh, to get our veterans off the street. No, oh, absolutely, Cliff. Is, is again, we were there for the interview, and uh, it sounds brand new to me. And and his just down to earth approach to situations, his optimist optimism, if you will for hopefully things to go forward in a very good way, uh, I think that speaks volumes as well. Absolutely. I mean, it just uh, goes to, you know, his approach is a common sense approach on on the issues that really matter to not only the people of California, to the, uh, you know, the, the community of San Diego, but, uh, you know, nationwide. It, I, was, I was really, uh, you know, blown away by the fact that not only is Congressman Peters looking out for the veterans, for the, uh, you know, those veterans that may be disabled or may be homeless, but that he put in place a program that would help the nonprofit. Because, like he said, you know, you can't expect government to do everything. Uh, you know, government has to help, has to, uh, you know, be able to allocate the funds that have been collected with taxes. But for him to push to allow uh, nonprofits to be able yeah. to go out and say we are going to help you know veterans and homeless people on a whole to where we can help them garner you know public housing. I thought that was an incredible thing for him to push for because you typically don't see that uh, you know from a um, uh, an elected official. They're about no. typically you know it's, it's uh, well you know what can I do to you know uh, help my name be you know propped up there. But he's saying no. We're going to let the nonprofits give them give them a hand in helping out, and I thought I thought that was extremely commendable and a very common sense and uh, a, a bill that could be adopted by many other states to say allow yeah. the allow the nonprofits to help out to help getting the uh, you know the the homeless people off the streets. No, absolutely, Lisa. Your thoughts. Uh... I'll tell you what, it's, it's exciting to hear that, and we're going to go down uh, the list of some of the things uh, that the congressman is involved in. Lisa, your thoughts, again, after hearing that interview again, uh, man, it, just, it, just make, it gives you a real good feeling about uh, Congressman Peters. It really, really does. Yeah, it does, Lamont. And I've been just you know, reading a little bit about the different things that he's working on, the things that he's fighting for. He does so much for our veterans. I mean, I, just, I haven't seen anyone work this hard for veterans before. 
anyone that we've talked to, it seems like he goes a little bit beyond, further beyond anyone else we've ever talked to. And I think it's it's admirable. It's an admirable quality to be that concerned about our veterans and be really wanting to make a difference for them. Well, listen, to some of the bills he's introduced in Congress, uh, in this 114th Congress, beginning uh, January 6, 2015, these are some of the bills he's introduced. Disclosing aid spent to ensure relief disaster act. Uh, Housing Assistant Efficiency Act, Student Loan Repayment Assistant Act, Marriage and Family Therapist for Veterans Act, uh, Consumer Debt Forgiveness Tax Relief Act, 21st Century Care for Military and Veterans Act, Shelter Our Service Members Act, Veteran Employment Transition Act, Department of Defense Energy and Security Act, and Federal Student Loan Refinancing Act. I mean, when you run down all of that, it's all about relief. It's all about help. It's all about lightening the burden, Dennis, uh, of, of everything dealing with veterans, dealing with students, dealing with families, everything that you can think of. And this is just since January of last year. Wow. What does that tell you, Dennis, about Congressman Peters? Hey, that, tells you, that tells me that he's very concerned about people. And I mean, that's what uh, our, our representatives, our, our congressmen, those, those that we send to the Hill, I mean, we expect that, you know, and uh, he's, he's doing exactly that. He's making sure that, you know, no one's, being, no one's questioning uh, what he's doing. He's showing what he's doing, and it's all about the people. And I'm telling you, uh, again, uh, you use the word commendable. I, 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 I use it too. It, this, this congressman is doing what's right. Taking care of people. Well, I thought you was getting ready to say taking care of business. Uh, <laughs> that too. But, uh, that too. Uh, but some folks down there in San Diego are talking about Congressman Peters. Let's hear what they had to say. I know Scott from my days as the fire chief in San Diego. Scott was a city councilman at the time. In fact, he was a sitting councilman when I was hired and got to know him through my work in San Diego. I have known Scott for about 15 years, I would say, and I first met him when I was doing environmental advocacy in San Diego, and he was um, an advisor. Well, I knew Scott for years um, because of his work in the environmental community, and I had met him and his wife through my service on the Planned Parenthood board. I think it's Scott's ability to work with other people. He's got the temperament and the character The word that I think of when I think of Scott is thoughtful and accessible. There's something about his demeanor, the way he can bring people together, his ability to speak to just about anyone that really allowed us to get deals done and allowed us to get to where we needed to get for workers. During the time uh, following the first big fire we had in San Diego and some of the financial issues that were were plaguing the city at the time uh, led the city council and the city manager to have difficulty funding all of the projects that I identified that needed to be fixed. There was a meeting that was held at the La Jolla Rec Center about 12 years ago, and I will never forget it because it was just packed with people that were extremely passionate on every side. When I first came to the Labor Council, I was serving as their political director. One of my first tasks was to ask Scott Peters, who was then the council president, to docket an ordinance that would ban super centers in San Diego. And Scott uh, took it upon himself to make that project happen. Scott stood in front of the crowd. He didn't sit down in a chair. He got in front of the table. He invited me to breakfast, and, and we sat down at a little place in La Jolla. He put a group together, got it funded, Uh, was able to make the fire station improvements that were required and actually updated that station to become a fairly modern 
fire station. They address each and every comment skillfully and patiently, and somehow, you know, we all left feeling like Scott heard us. And I must have talked for five minutes straight without even taking a breath, you know, on and on. And, and finally, Scott just stopped me, and he uh, said, okay, okay, I just I want to tell you, I'm, I'm with you. And I was so shocked. I had a cup of coffee in my hand, and I... <laughs> Spilled it all over the table and all over Scott. He now says it's the only time he's been burned by labor. He was very cool and calm under fire, particularly the big firestorm that we had. Scott was in the command center with me and showed all of the same signs of leadership that he showed in weekly council meetings or in private meetings. It's just a monumental task to try to get something like a, a community plan adopted in a community like La Jolla. And without Scott's leadership, I just don't think there's any way it would have it would have been done. It's not just having somebody who's going to vote with you, who's going to get up and say a fiery speech and, and, and talk about how much they're with you, but somebody who has the skill set and, and the um, ability, really the temperament to get things done. And that's what Scott Peters has meant for, for our workers, for our unions, and for, I think, most middle-class families in San Diego. I support Scott Peters for Congress. I support Scott Peters for Congress. I proudly support Scott Peters for Congress. Ladies and gentlemen of America, Scott Peters, Congressman Scott Peters, what do you say to that? Uh, Lisa, when you hear that, uh, he, the, the people have bought in. And you heard what the lady said. She had a cup of coffee, and he, all he said to her is that, I am with you. And she said it wasn't something that was just words. Yes. Did, I mean, did you hear the, the passion in those, in those folks there uh, that really support the congressman? Speaks huge. Absolutely. Volumes. And, and one thing that stood out to me with that, uh, that one clip there was how the people were saying that they felt like, everyone felt like he heard them. It's, it's one thing for me to come and talk and to say what I feel, but when I feel like I've actually been heard, that's what makes me feel better because I feel like someone's hearing what I'm saying. No, absolutely. Dennis, when you hear that, I'll tell you, you better have a little Kleenex handy for the tear that may fall. Uh, we live in a society in a time where people seem to not care. When you as a constituent feel from your – and they're speaking – and this is what's critical to me, which stood out to me, folks. They're talking about before he ever went to Congress. He was a city council leader. And he showed care then. That habit and that pattern of behavior took him all the way to Congress. Dennis, your thoughts on that. If I can be faithful in maybe a lower position and show my dedication to you, how much more so when I'm elevated to the level of congressman in our nation's capital? I tell you, it's a big thing for someone to listen. I mean, our society today, uh, not too many people are listening. I mean, we, we got a lot of concerns and a lot of cares. And, and I tell you, uh, just hearing that clip, uh, listening to the people and, and what, what they feel and what, they, what, what, what is important to them and uh, those things that need to be fixed and how do we fix them? First, we have to listen. We have to let the American people be heard and then, uh, I mean, react or, or, or act upon what we're hearing. And I tell you, this congressman, I mean, Congressman Scott uh, Peters, he's listening. And uh, that's why so many things are getting done. You know, I, 
with the veterans, with, uh, you know, this, it's just, it goes on and on and on. It's not about, uh, like Cliff alluded to, it's not just the veteran. It's about, you know, the people, all their needs, all their, uh, uh, their complaints, anything they have, he's willing to listen and then come up with a solution. Because a lot of, uh, you know, our, our elected officials, they listen, uh, but they're not much at, uh, you know, coming up with the solutions quickly. But I tell you, I got to give it to him. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll, he'll probably be in Congress uh, for quite a long time. Well, he made the statement to us, and Cliff, uh, he said this, it's good in Washington when you can get things done. It's frustrating when you can't get it done right. because so many other people are involved with the process. Uh, for you to be able to get things done, to push things through, given the number of people in Congress, speaks a lot. Your thoughts on, on what you heard his constituents say about the, the, the statue of this man? I think what stood out to me most is the young woman who said that uh, Congressman Peters is not just about talk but he is somebody who's going to do what they say and get things done. And, um, you know, the research team just sent an article that uh, it, it really touched me when I look at it. It, it uh, is from May 7th in 2013, and it says uh, Scott, uh, Congressman Peters sequesters his own pay and donates it to feed seniors in need. Oh, says, wow. That's uh, what I was looking at, too. Yeah, he will take 8% of his monthly salary which equates to about 1300 per month, and donated to the Senior Community Center at San Diego to supplement meals for at-risk seniors. Uh, the Senior Community Center has had to cut services to seniors, many of whom are veterans, due to funding losses from the sequesters. And uh, they quoted him saying, while the idea for the sequester predates my time in Congress, we should all agree that it's a terrible policy. None of us would run our business or household budget this way, and there's no way to run the country. In March, I introduced a motion to end the sequester, and I will continue to look for opportunities to fix it. These are the type of things that wow. the, uh, his constituents, the people in his community, the people who are a part of his neighborhood, uh, they can't help but to feel that Congressman Peters understands their plight, that he feels their pain, and that, again, like the young lady in the clip said, if he's not just about talk. He's setting out to do something and to take his own. I mean, it, it really, really touches home when someone takes their own money Absolutely. and says, says, I will take a part of my earnings and will give that to you as a constituent, as a politician that speaks volumes. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, I appreciate the research team for locating that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about on this program all the time the, the, the importance of your vote. And we say that not only on the level with – I'm talking about in your, in your local communities, with your city council. Congressman Peters started working in the local government and doing things, the city government in doing things. This is why, Dennis, I believe it's critical that the American people get out and vote. Had they not got involved locally, they're not going to get involved nationally and put Congressman Peters – in Congress. I mean, I think that is just a huge thing we want to definitely emphasize on this program. This year, get out and vote in every way possible that you can contribute. Because I tell you what, when you hear the people of San Diego talk about Congressman Peters, that we're not, you're talking about an impact that has been left. 
an a imprint in the lives of these people that say Congressman Peters, and you know what they know, you know what they know him as Scott. That's how they that's how they introduce him as Scott. You know that tells you there's a personal connection there. That sounds like family to me, Dennis. Your thoughts? Oh, uh, exactly. I mean, wow. I mean that 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 clip got me. T- not the clip, but the uh, uh, what the team sent us in reference to him willing to, uh, you know, take a pay cut. You know, in order to help the seniors. I mean, uh, that's that's awesome. I mean, uh, what congressman is willing to do that? I mean, uh, maybe there's some others out there. You know, and I'm not saying that there isn't, but. Uh, truly, wow! I mean, what what effect that must have had on his constituents, knowing that, wow, you're willing to do that? Well, I'll tell you. I said it on this program once. I'll say it again. Talking the talk is not enough. When Congressman Peters took an oath, he's gone beyond that oath. Uh, and when you donate your income to say I care, Congressman Peters, take a bow wherever you might be tonight, take a bow. And this sets, I believe, the example of the humanitarian spirit that is, is a necessity in our nation's capital and with our elected officials. And he doesn't stop there. Congressman Peters believes in the rights of others. He shows the respect to women. In a time where women seem to be disrespected, they are dealing with unequal pay, well, they're not paid as much as maybe men are. We're beyond that. And Congressman Peters took a moment to recognize that in this clip. Let's see what he had to say. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Today is Equal Pay Day, and June will, meet, will mark the 50th anniversary of President Kennedy signing the Equal Pay Act. Despite these markers of recognition and achievement, discrimination through the form of a staggering wage gap still exists. In San Diego, a woman is paid 84 cents for every dollar a man is paid for the same job with the same experience. That means, together, San Diego women earn nearly $3.2 billion less each year than their male counterparts for performing the same work. For a woman working in San Diego, the wage gap represents 60 weeks of food, four weeks of mortgage and utilities payments, seven months of rent, or 2,035 gallons of gasoline. To me, it's remarkable that this is still an issue. So in my first month in Congress, I co-sponsored Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro's Paycheck Fairness Act. It addresses the continuing discrepancy in pay and strengthens the Equal Pay Act by providing for greater enforcement of and remedies to gender discrimination in the payment of wages. For my daughter and her daughters, for the women of San Diego and for women across the nation, I encourage every member in this body to stand up for women and help pay it pass the Paycheck Fairness Act. And there you have it. Wow. Lisa, if we could find the words we said earlier in Spotlight on Capitol Hill at its infancy, we said the bar would be set to a higher level. Tonight, Congressman Scott Peter, Peters raises the bar yet again on yes, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Speaking about $3.2 billion less. Now, here's what doesn't make sense to me. If you pay the women 
that amount of money, and that's something that the total he comes up with a year, isn't that more money into the economy? Absolutely. What 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 are we thinking? They're not concerned with the economy. They're not. That's not what their that's not what their main concern is. And I'm trying to understand how you feel like if I'm do if there if a woman is doing the job, as as well, why would she not get his paid get paid the same amount of money? It doesn't well, make any sense. Well, absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think? Well, it goes back to women's suffrage. I mean, uh, you know, women have uh, sadly had to fight harder for rights for everything. Equal, you know, equal pay is on the forefront now, but mm-hmm. uh, voting, uh, you know, sure. uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, all those things. It just shows, uh, as we speak about other things in America that have not come too far in such a long time, this is one of the issues that uh, are still on the ta- is still on the table. And Congressman Peter. Peters continues to attack it Absolutely. because uh, you can't say that we're doing the exact same job, but a man deserves to make more money than a woman. That's just not fair. Well, we're not in uh, Leave It to Beaver days has passed where the mother's at home um, in the kitchen with an apron on when dad comes home with his briefcase and sets it on the table. Uh, we're far beyond those days. And yes. Uh, we have a lot of independent women in this country. And you know what? Congressman Peters salutes and honors them. And he took a moment. I didn't even know this day existed. And forgive me and shame on me for not knowing. Uh, actually honoring Women's History Month uh, in America. And let's hear what the congressman said about that. This March, we are celebrating Women's History Month, a time for us to honor the generation of women whose perseverance and leadership have made America a better place. That includes women like Sally Ride, Sandig and herself, who, in addition to being the first woman in space, spent her life teaching and encouraging young women to pursue careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. However, as we honor these influential women, we must also take time to acknowledge the work still to be done. That's why I have focused energy in Congress on issues like equal pay for equal work, job creation, and affordable college education. In San Diego, Women are being paid 84 cents for every dollar a man makes, creating a $3.2 billion wage gap, and that's unacceptable. I'm a supporter of legislation that would prohibit employers from paying women less than their male coworkers for the same work and puts gender-based discrimination on the same footing as other types of wage discrimination. For women in San Diego, for my daughter, and for our country's long-term competitiveness, I will continue fighting to protect the gains we have made while advocating for equal rights for women in this country and around the world. Please keep in touch with me by liking my page on Facebook or following me on Twitter at Rep. Scott Peters. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Well, wow, wow. Well, folks, in order to bring about change, we need leadership. Leadership appears to be happening in the life and in the work of Congressman Scott Peters. And I'll tell you right now, Lisa, I go back to you as you are the voice for women on this program, as well as we all are, but uh, your thoughts on this is not something that's a show for Congressman Peters. He said, I will fight for the rights of women. And I think that's something that that discussion is not on the table often on national media. You don't hear this a lot. No, you don't. Lisa, speak to what you as a woman, 
How does and sincerely, how does that make you feel to know that Congressman Peters is connected enough with the needs of women and their plight to say I'm with you and I'm gonna and again the, his constituent in there in San Diego said she couldn't hardly hold her cup of coffee she was so moved with emotion when he simply said I'm with you. What does yeah. that do to you, Lisa, as a woman in in the in the time in which we live? Well, Lamont, it means a lot because so many people don't care about that. So many people don't think about it. It's not something that's at the forefront of any anybody's mind. It's not something that people are focused on. You're saying that this needs to be changed. We've got to do something about it. That's not something that people are worried about. Yes, there are a lot of heavy things out there that we're dealing with as a nation, but this is something that we're also dealing with. And I think it, it's nice to see that he is as much concerned about that as he is about our veterans and the different things that are going on in this country. It's not, he doesn't just push it to the background. He's he bring, pulls it to the forefront and says, hey, look, we've got to do something about this. It's not right. It needs to be changed. And Congressman Peters is about, as I said at the onset of this conversation tonight, is that Congressman Peters is connected with the people. He knows exactly what he's doing because the impact is not only felt, it is demonstrated and it is spoken about. And these are things, again, ladies and gentlemen, in San Diego, we salute you tonight for getting it right. When you went to the polls, and it wasn't a cold winter night in San Diego, but you went to the polls and voted for Congressman Scott Peters. This is the importance of the vote, of the push. We are so impressed. Uh, And, Lisa, I'm more impressed now than I was when I sat down and and talked to the congressman, uh, because I'm telling you, this is stuff that matters. Absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you what, it makes you feel really, really good. Dennis, I see the smile on your face, and I know the veteran angle here is huge, but your thoughts on the advocate as a man for women. It's awesome. Like I said, uh, his concern for people, period. You know, and, and awesome that, you know, he, he don't draw a line between uh, pay rate for wow. uh, female versus male. Right. I mean, he's pushing hard to make sure that, you know, uh, everybody, you're paid for what you do. You know, not for who you are or, or not for your gender. You're, you're paid for the job that you perform, and, and I think that's the way it should be. But I tell you, uh, he's really he, he's pushing it hard, and he's really concerned. And I tell you, uh, a congressman like that, when, you, when you're concerned about people, I can't stress that enough. If, you, if, if you're in there for any other reason than to make sure that you listen and that you move and that you react to what people are, you know, what's, what's affecting your, your constituents or, you know, just people, period. And he's doing that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's awesome. We'll say it again, <laughs> folks. Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Continue to raise the bar. Congressman Scott Peters, we salute you. We're coming back with a little more about this magnificent man making an impact on our nation. We'll be right back. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. 
In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone. But the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. It's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother 
and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio coming to you live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Beautiful weather, 91 degrees today. And uh, we're enjoying the good weather out here. And, of course, good temperature, really nice temperatures all across the country. And I'll tell you what, a little warm, but it's heated up here in AJC Radio tonight as we have had the honor and the privilege of shining the spotlight on Congressman Scott Peters, and uh, I'm going to go around the panel here. Folks, this is awesome stuff. Uh, we, you, you heard the adjective awesome about three times because it, it somehow along the way of this program, we have been impacted by Congressman Peters, doing some great things, uh, honoring women, honoring fair pay, uh, honoring our veterans. Uh, the list goes on and on, Dennis, as we have had an opportunity to talk about a man that uh, really is walking the walk there in our nation's capital. Yeah, and, and all that he's doing, uh, you know, I'm kind of, like you said, I'm the vet, and they really, it really touches me to know that, you know, he, he got the nonprofits together, and they came up with this, this program to, you know, take uh, housing and, and, you know, provide it to our uh, homeless vets. Uh, I truly believe there should be no homeless vets, but, of course, uh, uh, some things we can't control, but we can help we can aid and we can try to eliminate. And I think he's doing an awesome thing by doing that, by bringing the nonprofits together and saying, okay, hey, let's take this property and let's use it for our homeless vets. No, absolutely. And some of the caucuses, uh, Lisa, we had talked about earlier, uh, United Solutions Caucus, uh, the co-chair of the task force on, on promoting economic growth to generate revenue, Congressional Algae Caucus, co-founder and current co-chair, Congressional Special Operations Forces Caucus, he's the co-chair of that. Congressional Military Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Caucus. Uh, Congressional Caucus of Engaging Community Support of Veterans. And Sustainable Energy and Environment Caucus, he's the chair of Climate Task Force. How do you, Lisa, how do you wear that many hats uh, and do what you do on, on the Hill? Well, I don't know how he does it, but he seems to be doing it very, very well. No, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, these are things that, you know, again, you know, AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, focuses on what Congress is doing. Uh, and we set up, we believe we are set apart for that purpose uh, in regards that we set the bar. We only offer this. The mainstream media is not offering this type of exposure in a positive way uh, on our members of Congress. And I think it's critically important. And at least I believe it's starting to take traction. Uh, across this nation, the, the, the results and the responses we get back yes. uh, from the folks saying, look, man, I didn't know this. I didn't know that our congressmen were involved with so many things that could impact a nation and a people. Uh, and you know what? It crosses every type of racial line that you can think of. Congressman uh, Peters, 
took a moment uh, to actually honor or remember uh, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. In a time in this country that we did uh, weeks ago, Cliff, on the disparities of the Latino community, uh, huge, uh, and they carry, a, they, Lisa and Cliff and Dennis have a very special role uh, in this year's election. Uh, but to take a moment and honor Hispanic Heritage Month, this is why people love Congressman Peters, Cliff. Absolutely. I mean, he understands the impact that, um, you know, laws and legislation have on all people of America. Um, you know, uh, immigrants, uh, you know, natives, you know, and he his his legislation spans all across the board. I mean, from veterans, the elderly, energy, uh, environmental inter, uh, issues, affordable housing. He really is making an impact in all those areas and more. And in a common sense way that says, hey, let's put the issues on the table. Yeah. Let's deal with them and uh, and let's get things resolved. I still go back to what, you know, the clip with the young lady saying, you know, he's not just a member of Congress that talks about what needs to be done. But he he does things. He takes action to ensure that his constituents and the other uh uh, you know, the citizens of America, that things are put in place for all of us. And, and uh, it's very much appreciated. And again, we commend Congressman Peters for uh, all of his efforts. No, absolutely. Dennis, you had a thought? Uh, like, again, here we go again. It's not about, uh, you know, about the party. And that's what, that's what absolutely. is commendable. You know, he said he'll cross lines. I mean, whatever it takes to uh, do the right thing. I mean, sometimes uh, he, he alluded to you got to give to get. And I, I tell you, that's the attitude Absolutely. you need to take. I mean, if you stay, uh, if you're unwilling to cross that line, uh, then, then, then you're truly, you can't truly say you're only about the people. No, no, absolutely. And uh, these are things, again, that are critically important. Uh, and I'll tell you what, folks, uh, get out and vote this fall. Uh, your vote means everything. And it's going to, I'm telling you, it's going to make a difference in how this country goes forward or backwards. Uh, your vote is going to be critically important. Uh, to that. And I want to play a little bit about what Congressman Peters said about remembering Hispanic Heritage Month. Buenos dias. I'm Congressman Scott Peters, representing California's 52nd District here in Congress. Given the important role Latinos have played and continue to play in the success and vibrancy of our San Diego region, I invite you to join me in celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. From leaders on the battlefield serving bravely in the armed forces to protect our freedom, the leaders in our community fighting for civil rights and equality, the leaders in our region starting small businesses that drive our economy forward, it's an honor to represent a region with such a proud Latino presence and where so many Latinos are in elected office and leading our communities. More organizations like Barrio Station, Chicano Federation, and Mana de San Diego are empowering and educating our neighbors. Soon, Washington will be visited by Pope Francis, the first Pope from Latin America, and an international leader on human rights and climate change. His leadership on these issues reminds us that the ideas that contribute to who we are and where we're headed come from a variety of places. Latinos, like a majority of Americans, know the value of immigrants to our country, and they're ahead of many politicians in Washington in understanding that our immigration system is broken and needs major repair. I know that Washington and our immigration laws both need fixing. By making healthcare work and cutting red tape, we can make it easier for Latinos to be successful entrepreneurs and innovators. The future of California and our country as a whole 
is interconnected with the future success of the Latino community. So this month, I look forward to celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, and I hope you'll join me. And keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Rep. Scott Peters. Muchas gracias. Oh, that's awesome. Um, wow. You know what? Uh, this is amazing that and you know what? The reason it seems to be so amazing what Congressman Peters is doing is because of the tone and the racial divide in this country right now. Uh, we have a divide in this country uh, where we've seen here in this election season the division to divide people versus bringing people together. Lisa, when you hear Congressman Peters talk to the issue, and what he's saying is not lip service. No, it's not. He is saying the Latinos and Hispanic community that contribute and are leaders they matter. in this country. They matter. And not only that, they have gone to war and fought for the freedoms we love and enjoy and right now right. in this country. Lisa, when you hear Congressman Peters, I mean, he's all over the map. Uh, when it comes to humanitarian spirit, if you will, what does that tell you about the, the, the character, if you will, of Congressman Peters? Well, not only is he about the people, he's about all of the people. He's not just about one particular group, one particular area. He's about all the people all over the country. He's concerned about all the different nationalities, all the different people that are a part of the United States of America. He's concerned about all of them, and it's, 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 it's phenomenal. You don't see people who actually care about everybody. Oh, absolutely. And I want to just close on this segment of the show. We are so grateful. Let me first say a very, very special thank you to the staff and for Congressman uh, Peters taking time with us in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago. We are honored. We're privileged to, uh, to have, have had the opportunity to talk to you so you could share your thoughts with us and the American people for this program. We, we commend you on what you're doing, and thank you so much. And your staff. A very, very special thanks to your staff for working with our people here uh, to make that happen. We, we are very appreciative and can't say thank you enough on that. But in closing, this is what I thought was really good by Congressman Peters. The Marriage and Family Therapist for Veterans Act uh, says it revises the eligibility criteria for appointment to a marriage and family therapist position with Veterans Health Administration of the Department of Veterans Affairs to require a person to hold a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and comparable degree in mental health from an institution that is regionally accredited or approved by the VA secretary and to have passed the Association of Marital and Family Therapy Regulating Board examination in marital and family therapy on an examination for a marriage and family therapy license given by a state board of behavioral sciences. Cliff, the reason Congressman Peters goes to this level for this requirement, he understands the challenges of veterans coming home from war and how the family is affected, the wives are affected, the children are affected. And he is saying we want to ensure that these veterans have the, have the right therapy, if you will, and the people given that therapy are trained and above reproach. Absolutely, because, you know, you look at everything that the veterans have gone through. And the last thing that uh, Congressman Peters, you know, wants to see is that a veteran comes home and, ha- and, and then that veteran and their family has to go through more trauma. I mean, it's been enough going through being without your loved one, uh, them being on the battlefield, uh, being in harm's way. But then to come home, he, he's set a, a, a system in place that says when they come home that they have what they need to, you know, to get back on their feet, 
uh, as far as, you know, interacting with their family and society. We've heard lots and lots of stories about uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And Congressman Peter said he doesn't believe that it's, uh, you know, that it's just a post-traumatic stress, that it is traumatic stress and it continues. And uh, he said he set things in place to ensure that uh, the veterans have what they need to continue on. And that's awesome. Man, I'll tell you what, I got a good feeling going home tonight, folks. Uh, you may be getting, you know, wrapping supper up right now, and perhaps you've had a good dinner, a good evening with the kids and, uh, and the family tonight. And this has been a joy and a pleasure uh, of, of spotlighting Congressman Peters. What a great man doing some good things. Right now, we want, again, we thank you to the Congressman for taking time with us. And right now we turn our focus on what you didn't know about the RP6. It starts right now. A just cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Sarrigan about the RP6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11 year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. My name is Gary Walker, and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just to decide, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction among any of us until these unbelievable events unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we live, prayed, and work together that we should end up dying together, because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison in Colorado. I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testify. And then Gary objected. A Donnybrook broke out because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights had been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness an FBI agent. And the old adage that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven. This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the RP6 story. Judge H. Lee Serkin, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the RP6 tragedy Go to YouTube, search the race card, 
You don't want to miss it. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, what you didn't know about the IRP-6. Tonight we touch on an issue about the ethical behavior of the state, the U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch. It was rumored to believe, or thought to believe rather, that during proceedings with the RP6, that alcohol was on the breath of, of Matthew Kirsch. Cliff, as we deal with this issue, if I as a defendant go into court with alcohol or drinking or where my vision is somewhat or my uh, way of thinking can be impaired, we are immediately brought up on issues that this is not something that is acceptable in the court of law. The fact that that question has been raised, that that possibly has taken place, how troubling is that, Cliff, in proceedings when you're dealing with the lives of six men that hang in the balance? I mean, it's extremely troubling because you have a, uh, a prosecutor now who uh, whose who judgment is impaired. I mean, he already was just really, uh, you know, already just going after things that really made no sense. I mean, this is a debt collection case uh, at best. And the um, for a prosecutor to come in 
and for the defendants to smell alcohol on his breath, it's like now your your judgment is impaired. And I mean, now you now your decisions on what you say, what you do, are even more uh, outlandish. I mean, th- these are maybe some of the reasons why he tampered with witnesses of of uh, the IRPC. Well, how so, far does the abuse yeah, go? Yeah, exactly. Clip? I mean, you then you find out in the case that. That he he contacted a witness, you know, told the judge that well, one of the defendants' witness he he's out deer hunting. Well, how do you know that? This is not your witness. If if you or I if we're in court and we get in touch with a witness on the other side, that's called witness tampering. You can, and in a federal case, you can go to prison for twenty years for that. The prosecutor comes in, he's got the smell of alcohol on his breath, and then he starts to. You know, make these these uh, lapses in judgment that can uh, only further the evidence that you know there's prosecutorial misconduct. Period. And and it starts out. I mean, when you walk in the courtroom and you smell like alcohol, that's misconduct. There, exactly. it's, it shows that you don't take serious the lives of these six men. And that's unacceptable. Who are these six men? Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. Unacceptable, and I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, we need to become outraged as a nation that when we step in a courtroom, we expect the parties to be up to par as they as they expect us to be. And why is there a double standard in justice, in accountability in our justice system today? That is something that cannot be tolerated. And for whatever reason, you felt a need to grab a drink. Perhaps your conscience is getting to you that you have locked up six men without cause, that you have basically created a theory of a case, a theory of a crime, and because of it, you felt a need that you had to drink it through. Ladies and gentlemen, unacceptable, and Matthew Coe should be held accountable for that conduct. It cannot be tolerated. Six men, family men, patriots of America, who stood to defend this nation your decision and your actions put their lives in the balance. Unacceptable, and something needs to be done about it. We will continue that conversation, but there are more than Matthew Kirsch being the perpetrator of justice. Lisa, who are the perpetrators of justice for this huge miscarriage of justice? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Stanton Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. And there you have it, folks. Cliff, very quickly, give our thanks. Yes, I want to say thank you to our production team, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson of K&D Productions, helping out Ashley in the back, uh, you know, holding things down tonight. Also, we want to say thank you to our production support team. They give us accurate and up-to-date information so that we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, you know you're out there. We appreciate it. And thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, the IRP6 
go to change.org, sign the petition that we can get these men released to aid and stop the tragedies that plague America. We'll see you next time as we continue here on AJC Radio to bring the message of justice as we seek the RP6 to be set free now. We'll see you next time here on AJC Radio. Good night. Good night. Good night. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114th Congress. Mr. Speaker. Just a few weeks before I was sworn into office, a deranged gunman entered Sandy Hook Elementary uh, School in Connecticut, murdered 20 young children and six school employees. What was the response of, of this Congress to make sure that never happened again? Nothing. Despite an overwhelming amount of support across the country for universal background checks and bipartisan legislation to implement them, Congress did nothing. Across my district in San Diego, moms, dads, college students, seniors have all been calling on us to take action that will keep our children and our communities safe. They're angry. We should pass the bipartisan Thompson King bill on back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.